0: walk with me for a second on some of these big, deep, heavy questions. Um, should we be optimistic that we all have the capability to do the really hard, but really necessary work of healing from our past trauma? Should we feel good about that, that we have that ability, we can heal, there is healing in the world, things can get better? Or should we be pessimistic that the world requires us to do that healing work? Because pain, suffering, trauma... Is such commonplace in the world we live in and and in a similar kind of principle more individually should we view ourselves as good people because we're willing to do the work to try to be better each day or again maybe more pessimistic should we view ourselves as bad people who are just trying to do all we can to make up for the fact that we aren't naturally good these kind of questions right which (laughs) some seem like very abstract and heavy and what are we talking about These are the questions that kind of consumed my mind since the conversation I had with Brad, my guest today. Um, And to me, that's one of the many benefits of having these types of conversations. Um, For a bit of background, so so Brad's an author. He recently wrote a book called The Peaceful Man, uh, Heal Within Yourself, The Personal Effects and Historic Patterns of Male-on-Male Violence. So as you'll hear in the show and if if you read the book, Brad's had his own personal experience with violence. Uh, male-on-male violence, as he calls it, being done to him and him doing it on others. So it's a really big topic for him. And he believes, as he stated, that healing is the most important value for that reason. Each of us experiences some form of trauma, right? Some really large, some much smaller if we're lucky. But we all experience trauma in our lives. And if we don't do the work to heal from it, we end up living and making decisions from this place of like being emotionally unhealthy, right? That trauma is still affecting us and impacting us. And Brad takes the more optimistic view to those questions in the beginning, right? He he understands the ugliness of the world, but he's optimistic in that if we, most notably men, because the statistics just show that men are usually the ones who initiate (laughs) that hurt and that violence, if we acknowledge this fact and we're willing to do the work to heal, the world can be a vastly better place. And I very much agree with that, actually, with Brad. I actually would go a little further to say it's not just healing our trauma, it's also just doing the work to account for our natural human flaws and imperfections, right? The biases, the blind spots we always talk about. Um, How much better would the world be if everybody was willing to do that work? But (laughs) the reason we do this show and I do this show is is not to just agree on everything. It's to take good ideas like that and to dissect them, to to pressure test them, to, to rip them apart and see if there's really tangible value there. So that's what Brad and I did. We spent much of the show trying to dig deep on concepts like how inevitable is violence for humans? Can we ever really get away from it? Um, We talked about the importance of humility, but how there's kind of a double-edged sword there. Um, And we talked about how hard should we actually be on ourselves when we're trying to be better? Should we be easy on ourselves or do we need to hold ourselves more accountable? Um, And through all of this discussion, which was really, really great, um, I think my main takeaway is suffering seems to just be an inevitable part of life. But to Brad's point, and the point I think he's trying to get across, Let's experience that suffering in an effort to heal ourselves rather than that suffering being experienced in an effort to hurt others and bringing more pain in the world in that way. So really great conversation. Big thanks to Brad for being on and hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as I did. All right, Brad, thanks so much for being on. Really appreciate it. Excited to talk to you today. I think it's going to be a a good conversation. Um, Let me jump in with the first question as I always do with what's the value that's most important to you?
1: The value that's most important to me is healing.
0: Mm. Okay. That's the first time I think we've had healing said, uh, surprisingly, maybe, because that's that's something that I think is important. Uh, maybe explain that a little bit. What do you mean when you say healing?
1: I think anyone who's grown up through our school system in our society is carrying trauma of some sorts to uh, a small degree, perhaps for a fortunate few and to a very severe degree for, for many others, and for most of us somewhere in between there. Unless we've done our healing work to really work through these traumas that we have experienced to greater, lesser degrees, our responses to what is happening in any moment, the way that we are living our lives is going to be shaped at least influenced if not entirely determined by our responses that are coming from places of trauma from our wounding from the the difficult relationships we've we've had especially growing up the difficult moments we've had rather than in a some in some rather than coming from a place of emotional health psychological health peacefulness choice the essence of who we are i believe that trauma gets in the way of all of those and you know trauma is kind of a fancy word but you know we could just say the hurts and the difficulties and the 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 reactivity uh if we haven't worked through those we can't be fully who we are and who we might want to be Mm. we can be
0: Super interesting, because it makes me think right off the bat. um, I think I share a very similar mindset. I think I typically frame it a little differently in my mind of um, the healing that you speak of. I usually speak of that, which I think is similar as like work that we need to do. And I think you're spot on and totally right that the trauma, the pain, the suffering, the bad relationships, all that baggage causes issues that we do need to do work and heal from. I would, I I tend to even go even further and say, even if you are one of those fortunate few, who's had very minimal pain or trauma in your life, it's still there, A, but B, we're all still human. Our minds are still imperfect. There's biases, there's blind spots. There's all sorts of reasons in which we can come from a place that's not emotionally healthy. So that idea of like part of being alive, part of being a human is accepting this responsibility that we all have to heal. We all have to do work to get to a better version of ourselves. I very much subscribe to. Let me ask you the question that I often get asked. Um, some people could look at that and say, it's a very pessimistic view of life and humanity. This idea that the most important thing is for us to to heal or to get better because we are, I don't want to say broken because I know that's not the right word necessarily, but you understand like that pes- pes- pessimistic yeah. view of it. How do you think about that? Do you, do you say, yeah, actually, I, I do think that's right. We should be somewhat pessimistic. The world is an ugly place or is there an optimistic, more brighter side to it? Well, I could really respond in either way. I think Mm -hmm. some of
1: that pessimism, I could say, you know, if someone said, oh, that's very pessimistic, or especially if someone was saying, you know, I'm very pessimistic, I agree with all of this and I feel very pessimistic, I would have trouble making a strong argument against that. I think some kind of pessimism, yeah, fair enough. But on the other hand, I also think there's a hopefulness in it. There's actually a... A seeing that there's an essence of our humanity, who we're capable of being, that is beyond our trauma. It that is that is beyond that we can reach through the healing process. I don't think it's necessary that there is all of this trauma, all of this wounding in in our society. That there's so much inequality. That that people hurt each other so much. That there's so much unnecessary suffering. There's some suffering is necessary in the process of being alive, but there's so much unnecessary suffering. I think seeing, I'm taking a perspective that all of this can be healed. There's an optimism in it of what we're capable of being as humans, of what we could, we collectively as humanity could become. And you know, who knows what our society might look like if a critical mass of people did this healing work such that they weren't responding from places of trauma anymore, such that there could actually be a big collective healing. And I think we're a long ways from that right now. Although on the other hand, I also think that more and more people are engaging with doing this, this work on themselves that needs to be done.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: So, the pessimism yeah i can agree with that i can i can certainly see that i uh, i wouldn't wouldn't necessarily completely disagree with someone who told me i was being pessimistic but there's a there's an other side of that as well there's a through on the other side of that that i actually see a feel a lot of optimism hmm. and i guess i will i will note as well when i when you know, my own my own judgments, my own perceptions, who, who do I see doing the most harm and the most damage in the world? It's not the people who are, in a sense, being pessimistic and saying, oh, you know, there's all this work to be done. It's the people who are not doing work at all and not even, you know, who are not aware of themselves and their impacts on others, etc. And you know so it's the it's the it's the people who are who have done the least healing work who I would see having you know doing the most damage mm-hmm. such that well even if it is pessimistic there's validity to that like yeah fair enough we yeah. we we need to take that perspective even if it feels pessimistic you know just mm-hmm. being um naively optimistic I don't think that solves anything.
0: Yeah such such a interesting good nuanced answer of like yeah I mean it's it's a little bit of all that and particularly the optimistic side I I, I, that makes sense to me as you speak of that of the healing look at that from the positive Of we have the ability to do that we're evolving as a species to get to a place where we can overcome that and part of the reason I was so excited to talk to you was was exactly in that vein I'm I'm curious for you Brad like where does that optimism come from right when you step back zoom way out and look at humanity look at human nature again, pessimistic, optimistic view, that, that, that pessimistic side, which, which maybe is where I keep leaning towards is like, I, I hope and I wish I have that hope that we can evolve and be better. But there's a lot through human history that suggests maybe not, like maybe we're just doomed to this. This is what what we are. Yeah. What gives you a sense that we can get? I know you said maybe we're still far away from it. But what 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 allows you to believe maybe philosophically about human nature that we can actually do the work at scale and change the nature of humanity in that way? More
1: than anything, I would have to say my own personal experience of the experiences that, that I have had that are that that I know are possible and how I've seen my own life and relationships transform as I've done my own healing work over a good couple of decades. I've seen, I've learned to be in a much more peaceful baseline place to respond to anything. I've learned in those moments and certainly I'm, you know, I, there's, I think there's always more healing work to do. I would, I have no way claimed that I'm completely healed. And if you did, I'm, you'd
0: probably, that'd probably be the sign you, you have way more to go. If you were to come. Yeah, to exactly.
1: Yet. I'm pretty distrustful. Whenever I hear someone say something like that, I'm like, well, maybe what maybe. do I, know? but I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm highly skeptical, but that said, even when there are triggers, even when there are things that are difficult, I've I've learned the ability to find a space in there to choose how I respond that I know I wouldn't have had that choice, that fine, that that's that thin slice of time to make a different choice that is in service of peace, that is in service of the relationship, that is in service of. Of me and the other person. And I'm going to say I have gotten quite good, even when it is very intense, to be able to find a choice in there towards something other than my own wounded reactivity. Mm. So knowing that, uh, knowing the peace that is possible, and bringing that into into my my relationships especially my closest relationships and seeing how how rich those can be that's where i see some of what's possible and i i expand that onto a i imagine that on a much larger scale And I would say I've witnessed it in, you know, in other personal, uh, you know, personal relationships, seeing what can result from people doing healing work and how lives change, how, how people's orientation can, can change. And I find that incredibly beautiful and inspiring and exciting Hmm. and, And I think in experiencing that, there's also, it creates the, in witnessing this, the impulses to be of service in this way to others, to support others on on these types of journeys. And so in seeing that, the impulses that, excuse me, the impulses that can arise from people doing their own healing work. It excites me for what's possible if we could just get kind of a critical mass of people doing their work mm-hmm. and offering offering themselves from a more healed place to others.
0: Yeah, I mean that resonates deep with me, and I'm not I'm not just saying that for effect or because you're a guest here and I want you to feel welcome. I'm saying because it it's true. I mean, I, I very much am on a journey myself, as I think all of us are in different ways, different parts of it. And I, I've seen that for myself. I mean, I, I've been somebody throughout much of my life, and it's only more recently where I've started to scratch the surface onto the why. And I, I'm still not entirely sure, but like temper has always been an issue for me. Anger has always been an issue, and, and almost like an, in like a spoiled, entitled way, where mm-hmm. if, if something bad happens, even something small, like I, I I would I would throw a temper tantrum. In effect, an adult temper tantrum. Um, right. And I, I I know enough now through that to start to understand that there's something in me that feared that I wasn't I don't know strong enough or wasn't good enough or whatever that is. And you start to connect those dots. And when you do that, much like you're saying, I've seen those moments where something does go sideways. And in the past, it was like, well, there's not even a thought here. Like I'm just gone. Like the temper is gone and it's lost to where now there's a moment. And then that moment starts to get a little bit bigger where you can actually understand it, detach and reflect on it. So it resonates so deeply with me. Let me ask this question though, and maybe we'll both get a little uncomfortable here with this, but like what do we make of that though? What, what are, are we special? Like, do we have some special skill that we were able to go through this and achieve it? Because as we're talking about it, to get to that critical mass, and again, neither of us are perfect, but there's lots of people who are struggling with this much earlier on in the journey, if you will. What allowed you to actually be able to do it where other people can't, right? Like what, that's that's kind of the key to it, isn't it? To help unlock that, as you said, for other people. If we're being super honest, what was it about you that allowed you to get to this point? It's a
1: great question. And I'm not sure, I I don't think I actually have a clear answer to it. I've wondered about it before. I guess to at least say something in, in the direction of a response, even if it isn't a complete response, that it's very much been a cycle for me that... In a sense, in the beginning, you know, going back about 20 years, you know, there there were there were some some difficulties I was having in, in my marriage at the time, and with with you know some some health things coming up at a relatively young age. And in a sense, I just kind of wanted to fix those. Like it wasn't like I was going really deep into you know deep healing work. It was just like, hmm, you know, things aren't working very well here. I, you know, I, I need to change something, but it was kind of a very, you know, fix it type of approach. And I guess in some sense, you know, looking at that as a starting point, I could say, well, you know, that's what I had a desire for things to be better and a willingness to engage. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's as simple as it was for me to at least get started. Because what I will say, as soon as I started on that work, it just seems like it just seemed like time after time I was kind of opening a Pandora's box. Like, oh wow, there's a whole bunch here that I wasn't anticipating. That's not really what I wanted, but okay, I need to engage with this. And especially early on, I would say, okay, I think I'm done with that. And then there'd be something else. Something else would open up, and it's really been a, an evolution for me over over a couple of decades that you know, there's been points where I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I've I finally got, you know, got all this, I've got it figured out, my life is on track. And then, oh, well, okay, and, until this came up. And, you know, now I'm in a sense, not even expecting that anymore. It's more just like, yeah, I'm expecting, it's just going to keep sure. going. And on the one hand, sometimes, like, oh, yeah, but it's, I also, it's also exciting, like, wow, I can just, it just keeps going in a sense I can continue to evolve and yeah, I guess just that evolve. Mm. So I guess that's perhaps what I just said. There is another answer to it. I've always had some kind of evol of impulse towards evolution
0: Mm.
1: and perhaps not everyone has that. And I guess I could also say, you know, um, there were certainly, there were ways in which I had a diff, a very difficult adolescence, which if you take a look at my book, I mean, I, I talk about that a great deal, a great deal there. But at the same time, I guess I could also say I was perhaps fortunate enough that it was, I was, I was fortunate to have had a good enough adolescence or something like that, such that I did have the capacities to start opening these Pandora boxes, whereas I, you know, I can see and feel compassion for people where who it seems like they don't even have the emotional capacities to even begin to do their work. And I think there's always a place to start, but it might be very small and minuscule as a start which I can see being very difficult.
0: Mm. You know, it makes me think as you're saying that we 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 started or or early on we 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 were hitting this word pessimism, and and I and I love the way you positioned it early on where it's like yeah maybe maybe pessimism is good because you need that people that are overly confident. It makes me think maybe we used the wrong word. Maybe the word we should have used, which comes up a lot in this show, is humility, because that's kind of what I hear in that answer that. That humility to say, I think I could do better. I think this could be better. I think there's work I can do to improve on that. Even in the explanation you gave around the fortunateness of it, right? Because there's always some luck involved and the acknowledgement that some people don't have that. They start off with such a horrible childhood or adolescence that they can't. That humility to recognize, yeah, I got lucky too. There was some aspect of that in it. I come back to that word a lot. And that, that ability to be humble, to understand that there is work to do that seems to ring so loud in so much of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you know, there's. Well, it's an interesting, you know, to to see ourselves as humble. There's, in a sense, some lack of humility in that. So it's 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 really interesting. And you know, even to see that in our humility, to have the humility to see that we're not even always humble like oh there, you know in 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 that reaction i wasn't able to to be humble i wasn't you know to to see where we get tripped in that as well and which is more humility
0: yeah it's like a constant the way i try and think of it often is um our minds for various reasons our egos very much where i was before about those temper tantrums that's my ego trying to make me feel better and protect me Right. We have to go through life with this working knowledge and assumption and approach that says we're going to be constantly pulled away from humility, constantly pulled away from the discomfort it takes to do this work. And right. we, we have to constantly be actively combating that and pulling ourselves back to humility. If we're ever in that place where we think we can just set it to neutral. And like, I, I think, like you said before, right, I think I'll be okay. Our, I think our equilibrium, our steady state is not humble, is not questioning and doing the work enough. So it has to be an active process. It has to feel somewhat unnatural. Like I'm pushing myself in a way, even when you gave that answer of like, well, even acknowledging that I'm humble feels like I'm not humble. Some people hear that and they're like, oh, we're getting into kind of word games here. But I don't think we are. I think that's the type of mindset it takes to actually be humble, to have a tough time admitting that you are humble is part of that. It's a very active, uncomfortable, unnatural process. But I think to do the healing you're speaking of, you, you need to do that. Right, yeah.
1: I agree. And I also think there is a, there's a certain point where we even need to step beyond our humility to actually be able to offer something to the world rather than saying, like, Oh, well, you know, yeah, but other people know more other, okay. other people could do this better. Uh, I, I haven't got it all figured out. I'm not completely healed there. You know, I, sometimes I'm reactive. I have, I, I have, I still have stuff to work through, there's also being like, well, yeah, that's all true, and I don't quite know what the right what the word I want to use, but it's it's there. There's some kind of confidence, It's like, okay, you know what, I, I I have something to give, to offer, a way that I want to serve, recognizing that actually I do have a lot of capacities, some of some of them related related to humility perhaps, and I want to give those, I want to offer those. Rather than, you know, it, I think it can, it can, there can almost be a humility trap mm. Mm. of keeping what we have to offer and our, and our capacities to ourselves in order to be humble or because mm. we're caught in humility. So it really is, I, I almost see the this humility as being so important and yet also being a little bit of a hall of mirrors.
0: Mm. Such a good point. Such a good point that, again, resonates with me. It just speaks to the complexity of this, of what the whole thing is. And it it makes me think, I, I talk about it sometimes, the concept of like the philosopher king going back to like Plato and Socrates and this idea that like those that should be in charge are those that don't actually think they're capable of being in charge. And it's like this tough balance you're trying to walk between that. And it, it makes me wonder just making it really real for, for you, Brad. So obviously the book we mentioned, I mentioned it in the intro Um, How did you overcome that right in very much the vein of what we're talking about to actually write the book and feel like yes I do have something to offer, which I do think you do, by the way, I can say that for you. How did you get over that humility trap and actually go forward to to do it.
1: So I'd say first of all, and perhaps I'm being being humble here, but I'm, I'm, I'm still working with it. I'm, it's, it's something that I find a bit of a tightrope to, to, to navigate still. What I can say is that some of my biggest offerings such as such as my book have felt larger than certainly larger than my ego in some sense larger than myself, almost like there was some other force coming through me telling telling me i need to do this you know or you know this is mine to do in a sense to just own it in 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 the first person and that's very much what happened with with my book i never imagined myself writing a book i i it wasn't something i ever aspired to and then one day I was just like it just kind of came to me, you know, the whole structure of the book, etc., and you know, just referencing what's in the book a little bit, you know, my own encounters with with violence through my adolescence into the very early part of adulthood. I'd looked at that as, you know, yeah, I was, I I experienced trauma and I was quite a way, quite a ways into my adult life that I really fully recognized how deeply I had been affected by these experiences. And I very much taken the view that it was like, yeah, it had affected me negatively when I look back on it, but it's mine to work with. It's, it's mine to, to, to move forward from. And then all of a sudden with, with this, this, it was almost like this book telling me I needed to write it it's like, Oh, this is the transformation of these experiences and these stories of my encounters with violence into being healing experiences in a much larger context, such that if I hadn't had these experiences, I wouldn't have been able to write this book. So you know this was just this it felt so far beyond me my ego that it was just it was an impulse or a force coming through me that the world was calling for or something like that and that almost sounds a little more grandiose than I really want it to but it, it but there was some kind of a feeling of that mm. and I think most of, you know, if I look at other, you know, some other things where I've kind of, you know, stepped forward and put myself out there as offering something, it's the same kind of thing, you know, I guess I, mean, I could put it in simple terms, seeing a need in the world mm. and realizing that that need or what I can offer was more important and more significant than me, than mm. my ego.
0: Mm. Let me ask, as maybe maybe a quick aside, wherever you're comfortable going that that force that you speak of are you do you have kind of spiritual religious beliefs like is there a belief in that there is a creator or some force that is literally has some intention in that or is it you don't know and it's just something you feel
1: there's nothing that i personify there um in some sense i would describe myself as spiritual although not necessarily, in what that might mean to most people to to me, it's almost like the the entire universe and the manifest of everything into it is the that in itself is the mind of God. Not that there's like a separate God in any way, but that the entire unfolding is, in fact the mind of God to put the, to put and that's just putting a word on it that that's almost putting a word on kind of the way I, I have had moments of experiencing it, this, that there's no separation of anything. And it's just all of everything is God.
0: Mm. It's kind of crazy. It's, I, I think of it very similarly. So it's interesting when I have conversations like this, sometimes where I'm like, yeah, that resonates, that resonates, very similar mindset and approach. Um, all right. Let me ask you about the book, maybe, because I, I had the chance to listen to you on on, on another podcast and and read some mm-hmm. of the book, and I think it's it's super interesting. I think a super important topic that you're getting into. Maybe I'll ask what sounds like kind of a cheesy podcast question, but it might be the right way to get us into this. Obviously, people have heard about the book and 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 the the violence aspect of it and the, and the violence of men on men on male on male violence. Maybe just give you know. 30-second, whatever, synopsis of not necessarily what the book is about, although that's obviously part of it, but what you hope to achieve with the book. What, what's what's the objective? What did you hope to, to change in the world? What was that need you saw that you hoped this might fill?
1: So on some level, I would say in, ser- in service of the value that we started with, healing, and in particular, uh, supporting men in healing from the violence that they have experienced and i do i believe that most men by the time they reach adulthood have probably encountered at least at least some degree of violence somewhere along the way i think it's very few boys who escape some form of violence even if relatively mild completely and certainly many also experience absolutely horrific violence so that would be you know that more than anything is what the book was intended in 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 service of the healing of men uh, from violence. And I think this is so important. I think that, well, for one thing, there's relatively few men who are really engaged with doing deep healing work. and i see I see violence as happening not in isolation, not as isolated incidents, but as, as patterns, as cycles, as such that if a man experiences violence, if he experiences his own boundaries being violated, his body being disrespected, in a sense, he's learning to, to not respect the boundaries and bodies of others, men, women, children, animals, ecosystems. So, by men doing their own healing work, I believe this is just is so essential to create a more peaceful society for everyone, this male on male violence. I almost see this as being kind of the key in many respects to so much other healing in the world, I think almost, you know, working towards in, in the improvement of things towards healing in almost any other way without without healing male-on-male violence is not going to get very far. Mm. I actually see this, and I, I don't think it gets very much attention. So that was, and that in a sense, that would be the other purpose that I had for writing this book is to bring attention to male-on-male violence. When I first started writing it, I was like, well, other people must've written books about this. Am I really saying anything, anything all that new and i was actually stunned by how little literature there is on male on male violence mm-hmm. it's i was i was stunned by it in fact so you know that's kind of on a on on a larger scale but then individually i would also say wanting to bring men's attention to how they were impacted by, by violence and in a sense, to shine light on what I think so many of us are holding in the shadows, uh, with shame and fear, anger, that we're we're not we don't know we don't even know to shine a light on it I, as men in many cases I I think.
0: Mm. Would you say the healing? It, it's it's and maybe it's both. Often it's both, but I'll ask it anyway. When you speak about healing from that. Is the intent of that healing to get to a place where the violence doesn't, maybe violence always exists in some form, although we could talk about that. Is the healing meant to to, to minimize violence or is the healing meant to say, there's always going to be violence. So the best we can do is just teach people how to cope and how to heal with it, kind of where we started the conversation. D- does that make like Is there is there one that you think is the more ideal way to go or more realistic?
1: So I would say minimizing unnecessary violence. So I would definitely want to go beyond just, you know, saying, okay, there's violence, it exists, we need to cope with it. There's certainly that aspect to it, but more than that, and I would also say, yeah, we're never going to eliminate violence. I mean, you know, the, there's the law of the jungle, in a sense, you know, just even putting, putting aside humans animals kill and eat other animals and you know we're at the top of the food chain uh i admire and respect people who are vegetarians and vegans i haven't gone that far myself you know but this is Mm -hmm. but uh, but i do acknowledge that when when i eat meat there there was violence in that an animal was killed and i i acknowledge that and you know appreciate the animal and so that's just just looking at it in a sense at, at the the far end of the spectrum is is yes i uh, violence exists and i don't i don't think we will ever eliminate it altogether. i don't even think we will ever completely eliminate humans being violence violent with other humans and i think the amount of it that it, that we have in the world right now is absolutely excessive and Mm -hmm. ridiculous and Mm -hmm. i think that it's so essential this is you know in a sense that the the large scale the healing that i'm i'm advocating for is really minimizing this you know male on male violence but in a sense we could also say human on human violence Mm -hmm. and you know i think males is kind of the place to start what's most important because most violence and the most severe violence is committed by males. And as long as this male on male violence continues, it's in the cycle continues of Mm. more male on male violence and thus more violence against everyone. Mm. So it's very much, it's not, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm, I think it's realistic or want to eliminate violence altogether, but I would love to move a long ways in that direction.
0: Yeah, I get that. And and such a big phrase in there is, is a phrase that I think about a lot too, is that unnecessary violence, unnecessary yeah. suffering. I'm going to ask you maybe an impossible question, but I think it's critical to what we're talking about and what we're trying to achieve. How do we define unnecessary violence? Because as most things, I would imagine violence, suffering, it's all a spectrum, the necessariness of it versus not. How do we think about drawing that line saying that's okay, that's not? Do you have a thought on that? Do you have a perspective?
1: So I think there's many there's many nuances to it, but to to give an answer that I think works 95% of the time would be to say that initiating violence is virtually never acceptable and human hu- human violence human.
0: just sticking with that for now. It's probably yeah, too job yeah, but just keep with, with human
1: okay. human human to human violence yes and where when when violence is a defense that that is in a sense necessary violence
0: yeah see it's it's interesting too because there's like multiple dimensions to this, right? When we think about initiating or or necessary, because there's the simple approach to it, which which you're saying, which doesn't mean it's it's wrong or bad in any way. I actually very much agree with it. That idea, if we can all just understand that, just don't initiate it, right? Right. It's it, You can use it as defense if needed, but it even starts. You can start to hone in on that and say, like, well, when is it? When am I? When do I need to defend myself? If I think somebody's going to do something to me, if I start to see a threat that's coming close, can I react then? does it have to be when somebody t- like all that nuance yeah. becomes and it, it it starts to get philosophical it starts to get to human nature that yeah. if we are designed as you mentioned before the, the law of the jungle and we're animals we just happen to be at the top of the food chain if it's ingrained in our dna either biologically evolutionary maybe from god who knows that power dynamics that sense of structure and order in the world and how it functions is just built into us that we're always going to have this sense that i need to protect certain things and i need to can we ever actually get to a place where we think any of it is unnecessary or is it an unfortunate inconvenient truth that it is necessary i don't know right I, i'm taking the more pessimistic view but what's your what's your thoughts on that
1: it's uh there's really difficult questions in there and in some sense i hope for myself and everyone that there are few instances if not no instances in my life and the lives of others where such distinctions are actually important because at the point where those are important distinctions we're you know we're in a very we're, we're most likely in a very difficult situation that there may not even be a a right thing to do or a good answer for and whatever we do we may be looking back at that and wondering about that moment mm. for the rest of our lives so you know in some sense i actually do think that that makes such questions very important to at least be aware of and to be clear about what our what our values are what our principles are But I don't think we can ever be fully prepared for what that moment, what those moments are actually going to look like either.
0: It goes back to where we were earlier in the conversation. I think it's that same theme of there's no clear answers. You're never going to know for sure. You're never going to be completely humble. It's just the acknowledgement, the awareness, and the consciousness that there is unnecessary violence out there. And once I can accept that that's true and that I'm a human, therefore I'm capable of it the best I can do is check myself as best I can. I'm still going to get it wrong sometimes, unfortunately, right? That's just the reality. Hopefully not. Hopefully I minimize it as much as possible. But if I at least acknowledge that it's out there and I'm capable of it and I'm aware of it, it gives me a chance maybe to catch it and minimize the amount of times it happens.
1: Right. You know, there's, and it actually brings me back as well to the importance of doing healing work. And, you know, so that we see the choice, so that we so that we we perhaps have a moment of where in the past before we did healing work it might have just been a pure reaction like there's nothing to do here but respond with violence and there could be situations where there really isn't anything anything to do and i mean as much as i hope to never be involved with violence again honestly i would if my own life was threatened if the life of my wife was threatened I I I could respond violently. I I haven't, you know, people who take a vow of 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 peacefulness. I admire that. I I I think that's wonderful in a sense, and honestly, I'm I I, I wouldn't do that.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: While at the same time, violence truly would be a very last resort when I didn't see any other option to to protect the the safety and the life of myself or someone who I care about deeply.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But those moments, having having a peacefulness within ourselves, having done the healing work and seeing that there are other options. I had an instance actually, it was about, about seven years ago now. So, you know, really, you know, I was, I was, think I was 40 or 40, 40, 41 at the time. And there was a situation that I easily could have interpreted as violence being inevitable. I have no doubt if it had happened 20 years before that I would have been fighting. Someone was was barreling towards me, screaming at me. And you know, and I did, I I was well aware of the possibility of violence and I had, I was able to make a choice and I will say it was, I was right on the edge of it. It easily could have gone another, another way, but the situation did de-escalate and we both walked away without anything, uh, anything other than a little bit uh, you know then that than me being pushed backwards that was yeah. that was as far as it went and you know in some sense i have a lot of um there are things in the situation i i still would would absolutely not say that i was you know that i responded perfectly in the situation there's things that I can that I look back on not so much in that moment but in the moments that led up to it I was like yeah I I, I there, there's moments I could have I could have chosen something differently to perhaps have de-escalated so that it didn't even reach that point so you know there was certainly there was certainly a lot for me to work through what happened there and I will say that all of the those years of healing work that I'd done, in a sense, I could even say paid off in that moment in that there was no violence against me. I didn't commit violence against anyone else. We walked away intact, mm-hmm. at least physically. A lot of emotional hurt, I would say, in both of us. But that's the value of healing work.
0: Mm. And, and I would go on to say even that illustration of afterwards as you went back and thought about what well, that's that's additional healing work i would say of you absolutely resting in that saying like oh i got it right that time no violence i must have this again saying no no no, maybe there was even still more which listen I, I say this often for people listening that could sound exhausting that could sound like but but you want me to question all of it you want me to think about all of it and i get it <laughs> believe me i get it but i think what we're saying in this conversation is like you don't you don't have to but yeah the pain, the discomfort, the suffering, it's going to come in some form, right? You can do it in this form through this healing work, which is uncomfortable. Let's not shy around that it can be very uncomfortable to do this work and face the things that force you to think violence is the only option. But compared to what comes when the violence actually comes, it seems like the much better option. So it's not the easy route. It just seems nope. to be the better route for humanity, I think is what we're saying, right?
1: Absolutely. The better route for humanity. And I would also say in the long term, the better, better route for the individuals totally. as well. I hate to think what, you know, if my life had just kind of continued on the track that it was on where I was in my mid twenties, I'm, I'm much happier and more fulfilled. And um, I, so I think, I think it, it, it does operate on a personal level too. It's not an immediate. You know, payback. Like, yeah, watching watching TV and playing video games. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's easier just to bypass it from Mm -hmm. from moment to moment, and I don't think that's what really allows us to live full lives and be fully who we are, Mm -hmm. to really experience the richness that the richness of the opportunity of being a human that we that ICS is being so blessed to be and even 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 with all of these challenges and all this difficulty i mean you know i i can certainly see there's the, the horror of being human in so many ways and what we do to each other and just even that our lives are finite the lives of our loved ones are finite certainly i can i can i i can see and experience the the horror of that and yet there's also it I also experience it and see it as such a rich opportunity there's so much beauty in it there's so much potential in it we can we can be and do and experience such amazing things and I think that I, I believe strongly that healing work is the is the door to all of this and to deeper and deeper levels of this extraordinary moment mm. that we are in from moment to moment to moment.
0: Mm. You know, it makes me think as, as we're coming towards the end here, um, as you're saying that I, I I often think I have a son, he's nine years old. Um, but even if for people that don't have kids, I think it, it resonates because we all were kids at some point. As you were speaking there about the beauty of life, it makes me think about that perspective of a kid, right? A three, four, five, six-year-old who yeah. isn't really aware yet of the ugliness of the world. Hopefully, right? Some are, unfortunately, yeah. at a very young age. But but right. for, for kids that are fortunate enough that aren't really aware of that yet, and they just see that beauty. And it makes me think, um, even with my own son, like the importance of the work that you're talking about. And really, there's probably not an age too young to start it. Right. In some capacity, because right. you think about it and you say, well, how did they get to like he's in fourth grade now? And I'm starting to see that transition where it's just kind of pure innocence and everybody just likes each other. They don't all necessarily play together, but they all like each other to where it starts to turn towards more negativity and more yeah. animosity and hostility and those things. And you say, why? Like, why, why is that happening? Because they were kids. They were just so pure. And then how did they get here? And it's just it's everything you're saying even as a six-year-old or a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old there's little things or maybe big things that happen in your life that start to teach you about the ugliness of the world how violence plays into it how suffering is a part of it and then it just becomes natural and even for kids at that age to start being aware of that to think about that there is a choice in it and to put it into perspective of what they're seeing and what they're experiencing because if, if elementary school kids can get to a point of thinking violence is okay or that type of mindset then all of us are obviously beyond capable of it. And that to me just illustrates the importance of the work you're saying at, at all aspects of all points in our life.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just want to say jump jump back a moment. You were yeah, saying, please. you know, a lot of people see, you know, talking about doing all this healing work and, you know, introspection, et cetera, as being, you know, exhausting and just such a such a big process. And certainly I I can see that and you also mentioned, you know, it's not necessary, but it's, it's not, it's there's, it's not one or the other. What I would say is, you know, you can do a little bit of healing work and that's better than not doing any at all. Um, and, you know, if, if, if that's, if that's what feels available and that you have the bandwidth and capacity for right now, then, then great, do that, do whatever small thing is there and maybe something will be there after, or maybe not, But whatever it is, you know, whatever your level of engagement, whatever your preparedness is, don't feel like, you know, it's, it's all or nothing. You need to dive into this whole thing, you know, and go on forever with, with healing work, just do whatever, you know, whatever is in front of you right now, whatever, whatever it is, small steps is really all that it takes. It doesn't need to be exhausting and going on forever. Just do what 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 is in front of you, what you have the capacity for, what's needed right now.
0: Well, let me ask you on that before before we wrap, maybe one question just to, 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 to challenge a little bit because I challenge it in my own mind. I, I literally, it was not maybe two nights ago, I was up and thinking, as you might imagine, I think about this stuff a lot. And sometimes I think about the lessons I want to teach my son and, and those types of things. And I, and I write notes to myself about it. And I found myself writing a note at first. Um, and it was more advice to me, this note, which was like, There's this idea that we shouldn't, we don't have to be heroes, right? And very much in the vein of what you're saying. We don't have to be more than we're supposed to be. Just do what you can, take those little steps. And I found myself thinking like, is that the right advice though? Because maybe that lets too many people off the hook. Maybe we should tell people, very much what we've been saying in this conversation, this healing work needs to be done. We have a responsibility as humans to do it. So, yeah, actually, you should be a hero and you should do more and you should push yourself. Don't let yourself that off that easy. And then literally my mind went somewhere else. And then I came back and I was writing a note for my son where I was saying much more what you were saying. Like, don't feel like you have to be more than who you are. Who you are is good enough. Do what you can do. And maybe it's just another one of those dualities of life that you need to manage the tension of. But let me ask the, the challenging part of it. Are, are we okay with that? Are we okay with not challenging people with this and telling them that take little steps? Or do we think maybe that's part of the problem? We need to be more direct and say, we all need to be better at this and do more.
1: I think the, there's the, and this is, you know, the challenge of having a a broadcast message through through a podcast. I think different answers are, th- the, the different messages are right for, for different people. Mm. I think there's people that need to hear. Yeah. You don't need to do all at once. Just, just do whatever you can, because otherwise they're just going to be like, all right, I'm going to, going to go watch TV. I, you know, those are the people that need to hear just, just do what's here right now. On the other hand, I think especially once people have really engaged and and, and gotten to a point, And I think, you know, often people do some healing work and then they think, you know, I, and I hear this sometimes like, Oh, you know, I'm totally healed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do you know i'm gonna go be a shaman or you know they're, they're gonna there there can be a very really the way i see it is you know uh maybe they've done some healing work and and then the ego is kind of just really getting identified with that uh you know those are the people that i i actually think more need a message of like no deeper deeper more. way <laughs> deeper way deeper so, you know it, the answer, in a sense, is it. It really mm. depends. Mm.
0: And that's the right answer. I, that's 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 I genuinely believe that's the right answer. and brad, i I, I really, really do think this is this is this conversation. There's been others like it, but this embodies and represents exactly what I hope this show would be. two people having an authentic conversation where they're open and exploring, talking about topics that I feel are so fundamental and crucial to us as as human beings and individuals, you know, macro and micro of trying to be better and to to live our best lives and all of that. Um so I can't thank you enough for for writing the book, for being so open for sharing the experiences and obviously for being here today and having this conversation for me with me.
1: You're very welcome Terry and thank you for having me. I agree it was I really enjoyed the conversation and what we explored and for for the thought-provoking engagement for me and I hope for others.
0: Likewise. Yeah, totally. Uh, And I hope people check out the link and check out the book for sure because there's lots of good stuff in there. So Brad, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day.
1: You too, Terry. Thank you.